Hello and welcome to the Wholehearted Healer Podcast. My name is Dr. Avine Banish and I will be your host. This is the weekly podcast that helps women pause in their busy lives, drop into the heart, and remember their next right step. I am so happy that you're here. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wholehearted Healer Podcast. This week I'm thrilled to share my conversation with Patricia Wickman. Patricia is a dear friend of mine as well as a certified Ayurvedic practitioner, a registered yoga teacher, a certified Panchakarma therapist, and the owner and director of the Radiant Living Online School of Ayurveda. Patricia has a creativity and a passion for teaching others, whether it's in her work with private clients, in her yoga classes, or in her online school. She delights in sharing the knowledge and wisdom of yoga and Ayurveda. Patricia grew up in Colorado, but has traveled and lived all over the world. She speaks French, Portuguese, and Spanish. She has a very global view of life. She currently lives in San Antonio, Texas with her husband and her two children. And so I really enjoyed this conversation. We talk about Ayurveda, which is this science and philosophy for life and health um, that is thousands of years old. Patricia is also very generous in giving lots of tips for how to best live in the winter months as a human if you're living in the northern hemisphere right now, um, as winter is upon us. And so without further ado, here is my conversation with Patricia Wickman. And welcome to another episode of The Wholehearted Healer. I am your host, Avian Banish, and I'm really thrilled today to have a dear friend of mine on as a guest, Patricia Wickman. Patricia um, and I met, oh, years ago um, in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. I don't know how long ago exactly, um, but she has been one of my, um, I guess I would say my my wisdom teachers and a very close confidant for years. She's been very helpful um, in my life. And uh, Patricia is a certified Ayurvedic practitioner. She's the school director and head teacher at the Radiant Living Online School of Ayurveda. And she has a lot of wisdom as to how this ancient um, science, this ancient form of medicine can really help us find balance in the modern day world. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Patricia, welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad to be with you. Me too. Me too. And so um, maybe for someone listening, the Ayurveda, the word Ayurveda might be new. So I know it's a huge definition to encompass, but can you just, before we begin, even define what that is or what that is the practice of? Yes. So Ayu, the word Ayu means life, and then Veda means science. So it's not that complicated, life, science. Um, But I am going to share with you the actual definition of Ayurveda that is given by, um, in one of the most, um, if not the most important text that exists on Ayurveda, that's a classical text. So all of the verses in the text are in Sanskrit. And so this is Chataka. Chataka is the author. The book is Chataka Samhita. And 
he gives the definition of Ayurveda. So um, bear with me. I'm going to do my best to say this Sanskrit shloka or verse. So it's hitta hittam sukham dukham ayustasya hitta hittam manam cha tacha yatruk tam ayurveda ha sa uchate. And what that means is the science is designated as Ayurveda, where advantageous and disadvantageous, as well as happy and unhappy states of life, along with what is good and bad for life, its measurement, so its actual length of life, and life itself are described. So it's very, you know, people will say, I wish I had a handbook for living life well. And this is like an encyclopedia of how to live life well. Amazing. Um, Can you maybe tell us, because you are, um, you grew up in Colorado and Utah and your background was not in Ayurveda, right? You didn't grow up with that science in your life. Can you tell us how you found your way to it maybe? I would say we all grew up with Ayurveda. Ayurveda is life itself. So if you're alive, you are experiencing the science of life. All of us are. So um, I do have a background in that my mom was holistically minded. My dad always had a vegetable garden. We didn't really eat from boxes and cans. So it's maybe a little atypical for your your average American upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also my brother was diagnosed with gluten intolerance at a certain point. And so we were on to this whole gluten-free thing like back in the 1980s and 1990s. Wow. Um, yeah. And just Colorado, you know, you're there. There's um, a general appreciation for, um, you know, recreation in the in the outdoors and there was already like the vitamin cottage which is now natural grocers was a a place that we just regularly frequented so there's that holistic vibe there that I Mm -hmm. was able to grow up with and then how did you translate that holistic vibe into finding and loving and making your life's work out of teaching Ayurveda about and offering Ayurvedic services to other people? So it just evolved very organically. Um, In uh, 2002, uh, not the um, brother that has the gluten allergies, but my younger brother was diagnosed with lymphoma. And then he passed away within six weeks. It was a very virulent lymphoma. And that I had already been introduced to yoga and I was doing, I was practicing yoga at a studio at that time. And that just really like at a very deep level wanted me, it made me want to explore the healing arts more and just have more um, tools at my disposal for helping myself and my family stay healthy or also address um, illness and disease skillfully. So um, I did yoga teacher training in 2004 in Salt Lake City. 
And during that training is when I started hearing about tongue scrapers. I think that was the first, like, um, you know, foray into Ayurveda for me was like buying a tongue scraper and scraping my tongue. And then um, I learned about the doshas and then this really awesome goddess from Canada came and did a whole weekend on Ayurveda. I was 28 at the time and had two very small kids and was living kind of the typical adrenal life, um, having lots of nervousness around me and expending more energy than I was taking in. And so when I heard the Ayurvedic daily routine, it was like I went home and cried because I it was like I was remembering something that all of us know deep within us. And I was remembering it. And I knew that that's how I wanted to live my life. So can you tell us about the Ayurvedic daily routine that you learned at that time and, and how you've used it in your life? Yes. So uh, very important is the morning routine. So um, when you uh, wake up, you are um, supposed to kind of lie in bed and sort of reconnect your mind with your body. When we sleep, our, our mind travels to other places that our body is not. So we kind of get our mind and body uh, together. And then um, ideally, you're, you will evacuate your, your bowels and your bladder first thing in the morning. Um, and it's really interesting if you're not having that morning morning bowel movement, it's one of the first indications that something's off, which I think is, you know, how many people are really paying attention to that. So you evacuate and while you sleep, all of your metabolism that happened during the night is trying to move um, sort of the metabolites or the, the extra waste products toward all the orifices of your body. So you're supposed to splash your eyes with water and you can be more elaborate if you're really trying to take care of your eyes. There are certain formulations and you can put them in eye cups and wash your eyes out. Um, I forgot, always brush your teeth first. I'm always surprised when I'm like staying with friends or family. Some people are eating their breakfast before they brush their teeth. And that's a big, like for sure, brush your teeth when you wake up do your oral care. And if you haven't tongue scraped yet, definitely do that. You will never turn back. It is really obscene what comes off your tongue. That is so true. I've been, I've been using a tongue scraper for over 10 years and I miss it. Like I travel, I have a travel one. It is amazing how, um, it's like brushing your teeth now. Like I can't not do it. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, you cannot just leave that stuff on your tongue. <laughs> So my my son, he's an avid tongue scraper too. And if he forgets his tongue scraper, he uses a credit card. <laughs> <laughs> a little hack there. And he poured the storm, right? <laughs> young person. So yeah, you do your oral care. Um, and ideally you gargle as well. Gargling um really like it can even strengthen your eyesight. It kind of gets all the muscles in your, your face sort of working out a little bit. Um, some people do the oil pulling, which is also mentioned in the Ayurvedic classical text, but it, it doesn't say like you have to do this for 20 minutes and all of that jazz. That's new stuff. Um, 
And then it's like, if you just think of um, draining your, your head from top to bottom after that. So you do the eye care and that helps move the metabolites or any impurities from your eyes down to your nose. And then you insert oils into your nose. And from yoga, you would do the neti pot at this point. So people can kind of integrate that if they want. Um, but the neti pot is local. It just takes care of your nostrils up to the top of your nose and, and back down to the other nostril. But the oils will actually um, penetrate deep into the nasopharynx and then drain. It'll help drain gunk down into your mouth, then you can gargle. Um, if you're really like stuffed up and, and congested in your head, and this is a big complaint, the brain fog for people, mm -hmm. brain fog, brain fog. And, and if you're cleaning out your orifices in your head, it really does wonders for lifting the brain fog. So um, and then you uh, gargle to, to release any gunk that's gotten down into your oropharynx. And then um, if you want, you can do what's called herbal smoking, which is um, basically if you want to just an easy way to do this is to just light an incense stick. And you're just supposed to inhale some of that smoke through your nose, not through your mouth, but your nose is the top of your respiratory tract. So you Inhale through your nose and then exhale through your mouth just to clear out any extra stuff that's stuck there. Um, there are other things, but a, a definite thing um, to do in the morning is to take your shower or your bath. And that's another surprising thing. I've been working with a client for five years and um, she struggles with obesity. And I just found out that she's not showering every day, which is so important for maintaining a healthy weight and losing weight if you need to. So showering every morning. Um, the the classical text Ashtanga Hridayam mentions that it'll give you, um, you know, physically it's going to kindle your metabolism, but it also mentions having a lightness in your mind and forgiveness of your sin. So every morning you get a baptism. So that morning shower is really important. Thank you for sharing all that. And, and some of that might seem approachable and familiar to people. And then, you know, you may have said something that someone was like, well, I don't, I'm not going to do that. Um, but it sounds like you can start where you're at. Like if tongue scraping is, if you're adding that, that's something. Can you talk about, can you remember back when you had first found this morning routine and found Ayurveda, how or why it was so transformative for you? I think it was transformative because it brought awareness to how I, I was expecting my body to, like I said, expend more energy than the nourishment I was taking in. And so um, to piggyback on one of your recent guests, Kristen Ragason, she was talking about how our whole economy, our whole money system is built on debt, built on deficit. And I, I see this in myself. I see this with my clients that we are, we're using a non-sustainable form of energy. And that's usually adrenaline. So we do the burst training and we get a rush 
of energy. It feels good while we're doing it, but ultimately we might not feel so energized during the day. We have our morning coffee and it's like, woo, I, you know, big, I feel awake. I'm ready to attack the day. But then um, later on in the day, we might have that slump or the brain fog that so many people talk about. So um, I'm very much a, a proponent of using food as our primary source of energy, like really high quality fresh foods. Um, those are, are going to give us a lot of prana for those of you who know about prana as the, the life force. It's going to sustain our immune system and give us that energy that all of us are seeking. So we run on a, a surplus rather than just expending everything and then beating the dead horse. That's that's what I say, like the beating your adrenal glands to support your energy. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's such, obviously there's ancient thousands and thousands of years of wisdom in Ayurveda. And I think the current trend is like hack, you know, body hack. And how can we, you know, find the shortcut to um, biohacking, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Like that seems to be um, all the rage right now. And I think what you're pointing out is so true that, um, that there's a, you know, we have a limited amount of energy. We can increase our energy, but, but we are not endless supplies of energy and the way that we're living is much like the credit card debt and the overconsumption and the, we're expecting, we're, we're not really taking the time, the care and the love to, optimize the body and to assist the body to serve life in the best way possible. Exactly. Yeah. And so um, when like Kristen was talking about abundance and having that um, impulse to create and then basing your own personal wealth around what's coming from deep within you to create and offer the world um, in exchange for your livelihood, that really is dependent on your your strength and your immune system and all of that. And that that comes from the way that we nourish ourselves every day, and you know, leave a little bit of energy in the bank, so to speak. And I think what's also maybe surprising for people who have not. Um, experienced Ayurvedic practices or treatments before is just how everything is connected. Like we say that as, as an aphorism, but, but in this science of life that you study and teach, it really is, you know, if we're feeling um, anxious, it's not just our mind, it's related to the body. Can you talk about how uh, mental health can be shifted or changed? through this yeah. through these practices yeah that that was my very initial attraction to yoga I was 17 when I was introduced to yoga I was um, going to a ballet studio in northern California living with my sister and her husband and I was there for the summer and the owner of the ballet studio had offered like three hours of yoga every morning and then dance in the evening 
And so it just so happened that that summer I was, I've always been prone to anxiety since a young, young child. And I, I, even as a young child, I was a sugar addict, which now I understand it was a way for me to boost my serotonin levels. So I was like self-medicating, like out of the chute with sugar. (laughs) So um, I was that summer, I was um, in a particular state of anxiety. And I just realized like those, you know, those hours in the morning, when I was doing yoga, was my only relief from feeling anxious. So right away, I felt the the mental and spiritual benefits of the, you know, regulated breathing, slow movement, linking the breath with the movement. Um, it uh, brought order to the chaos in my mind and my body. Um, dance does that too, but the, the emphasis on breath really makes yoga um, distinct from, from dance. Um, although I think now they might, the teachers might be talking more about breath, um, for dancers. So, um, yeah. And then, um, uh, obviously when my brother died, that stirred up a lot of anxiety and grief. And, um, and so I turned to yoga again and, and that was sort of like a really safe anchor for me. I remember, in Shavasana, just feeling like that was a place where I could go to connect, speaking of connection with my brother's spirit and have conversations with him and kind of get that emotional release. So, um, so I had a lot of anxiety at that point and turned to yoga. In fact, I was that it was during that time. I remember specifically I was driving somewhere. And a very distinct voice came into my head that said, do your yoga teacher training. So that was very, a very like spirit-based decision that I made. So, yeah. And then, um, then I did my Ayurvedic training in Milwaukee from 2006 to 2009 and started a practice and got really busy with that, loved it. Oh, the Eau Claire years were awesome. But I do remember one um, client telling me one day about this awesome meditation that she had had. And all of a sudden, I realized, like, I don't have time to do that. Like, I'm helping other people. I'm too busy to do that. So that's why I have on my email the, the saying that if you are too busy to um, like you, everyone needs to meditate 20 minutes a day. And if you're too busy to meditate 20 minutes a day, then meditate for one hour. So, <laughs> well, and I think you're bringing up this, you know, I think, um, helpers and healers of the world. I was just, um, offering sound meditation this week to teachers. And so I include teachers and nurses and doctors and helpers and parents and pretty much everyone, um, sometimes we can actually burn out by helping others. And so we, you know, I always say like, we put ourselves on the list, but we're ninth or 10th. And how often do we really get that far down on our list in the day? So that, um, Ayurveda in a sense is like, you know, when we're on a plane and they ask us to put our oxygen mask on first in order to be skillful in the world, we have to have a certain amount of energy. Exactly. Yeah. So again, just 
my tendency from the get-go as a little girl was to um, do, 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 then get an anxiety, burnout, and then come awaken. You know, I've had all these awakenings and then get back to the self-care. So the worst was um, after I had started the school two years into running this um, Ayurvedic school, I had a complete rock bottom burnout. And um, I remember during that time, um, I was, I realized now there's a name for it. It was like hyperactive catatonia. I was like, that's exactly what it felt like. It was just having panic attacks and it was terrifying. Um, And I felt like I was trapped between two panes of glass. It was just the most awful feeling. And I remember looking at a bolster in my mom's living room, a yoga bolster and thinking, I can't wait till I'm well enough to get back to that. So, yeah. So that was another moment that I had to kind of step back and recalibrate and then get back to my self-care practices. But Ayurveda, you you mentioned doshas and I think part of our part of our journey in life is to know ourselves and to know our patterns and to see that the universe, I see the universe in spirals. Like, you know, we, each of us, we have patterns. We have ways of dealing with stress and ways of not so skillfully dealing with stress. And so one of the gifts that Ayurveda has been in my life and, and that you have through, you know, learning it from you and through having panchakarma and practices is that there's like a sense of compassion, right? Cause we can sometimes really beat ourselves up for patterns. Um, but it's only when we know our patterns that we can do better and that we can um, sort of see, I think we're really skillful when we can see a pattern coming before it engulfs us. <laughs> we can exactly. kind of see that, oh yeah, no, I'm this, I'm doing this again. And how can I skillfully shift my way of being. So maybe I don't have to suffer as much as I did last time. Exactly. It's like, don't keep walking in that same pothole or man. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, an ongoing thing, but I, I think it really helps me have compassion for clients that I see, go, you know, stepping into the same manhole over and over again. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, we're all on this journey together. And um, sometimes you just have to laugh at the ridiculousness of it. (laughs) Well, sometimes I have to laugh at my own, like, denseness, or the fact that like, we do repeat patterns that don't serve us. Like, I think that's one of the great, a very interesting thing about being human. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? I mean, it's like, I think so much of what Ayurveda teaches is very, like you mentioned, a remembering. It's like the way to live. And yet, even sometimes when we know it, we choose not to do that. What do you think that's about? I I don't know, but it, it has to be universal because in, you know, meditation, mindfulness, there's this, uh, you know, practice of begin again, mm-hmm. you know, just you know, you've fallen, just, you know, if you're, if, if it's not time for you to completely, you know, give up your body, then, then the other choice is to just get back up and begin again. So 
thank goodness we're, we're given that opportunity every day. Yeah. And that our bodies are so beautifully innately wise that, you know, that we can recalibrate and find balance um, again and again. Exactly. We seek it. Our bodies are just extremely intelligent systems, mechanisms, and extremely forgiving. So, yeah, it's important to really revere that, really, uh, you know, give reverence to the sacredness of that. Yeah. We're heading, I mean, I live in Colorado now and it's really dry. We're heading into the cold, the winter months. Do you have any tips or tools from, and I mean, I not to simplify because I know there are so many, but anything to someone listening who's new to this that, that you may suggest for winter to ease, to ease it a little bit for them? Absolutely. Yeah. One of our good friends, uh, we were sitting I was visiting Wisconsin this past weekend when we were sitting around her breakfast table and she was like, oh, my skin gets so dry this time of year. My hair just feels like straw and gets all staticky. And I was like, how? After, you know, whatever, 15 years of being friends, how does she not know to do a Vyanga? I have failed. <laughs> so maybe, maybe she did, did know it at some point and then fell away from doing it, which happens to me regularly with, you know, certain routines that I'm in. Um, but I do recommend now you want to kind of go about this skillfully. You might see on the uh, social media posts and everything like these blanket statements, like everybody needs a Bianca. Um, and that's not the case. If you're, if you're greasy, a greasy person, you definitely probably won't enjoy slathering oil all over your body. Um, but if you are dry and, um, it's important to check in to see your toxicity level before you start doing Abhyanga. So, um, some, some signs of toxicity in the body would be that you're not having regular, um, like uh, bowel movements and just elimination of urine and sweat. So if you're not sweating freely, that can be a sign that your channels are blocked and that you're accumulating toxicity. Um, also, if you're having that brain fog and just feeling generally sluggish, um, bad breath, unusually stinky um, stool or urine or sweat, um, those are all indicators of uh, accumulated toxins. Also, you can check your tongue every morning. If your tongue is really coated, that is an indicator of toxins. And uh, waking up stiff in the morning, that's a really common sign of toxins. So if you have those signs, we do a specific process where you, you eat digestive spices before your meals to digest the toxins. There's an idea that you want to like go get some laxatives or colonics or something to get rid of the toxins. But those toxins are referred to as ama in Ayurveda. And ama is a very stubborn, it's like rancid butter. It's very sticky and stubborn. And you don't want to think of flushing that out because it can just smear and go into other places. Like if you were trying to pour rancid oil down your drain, 
it would adhere to the sides and be very mm-hmm. difficult to remove. So you want to digest it on site, which is done with digestive spices. So for instance, I just keep handy all the time, this tin of seeds and it has a seed that's used in Indian cuisine called ajwain. It's A-J-W-A-I-N and cardamom seeds. And um, you can take those seeds in higher doses when you're trying to digest ama 10 to 30 minutes prior to eating. And then when you have the signs that the ama is getting digested, you don't feel stiff and sore in the morning, the brain fog lifts, your tongue is uh, um, rosy pink, um, and you're eliminating regularly, then you can start doing the abhyanga. So it can take like a two weeks to a month to to digest the ama, and then you can start doing this lovely lovely practice of um, warming oils. There are different types of oils that you use for different doshas. It can be plain oils or medicated oils for specific constitutional types. You warm the oil in the morning and then you just lather your body. Um, I had to have a space heater in my bathroom yesterday because it was cold while, you know, so I wanted to be warm. You just apply the oil all over your body, focus in, like I have arthritic conditions in my neck and my left knee. So you really want to grease those areas up if it's like osteoarthritis. Um, not so much if it is like rheumatoid arthritis, the oils can actually make people feel worse. So there, it's important to know there are contraindications. Um, and then you just let that oil, I have like an oil dress that I'll put on so I can just stay with the oils on for 20 to 30 minutes. And then you want to take a, um, a pretty warm shower and you use dry powders to get the oil off, or you can use soap. So you don't want to leave that oil just stuck on you because it'll it'll clog your pores during the day. And our pores are the ventilation system of the body. So you want your vents to be open so your deeper channels don't get clogged. Um, you can oil your hair so you don't have that kind of scarecrow straw feeling for your hair. And um, yeah, so then you wash yourself off and then you're ready to go for the day. And even though you're washing the oils off, there's still a a feeling there that you have really lubricated yourself well. So yeah, I mean, I've done that in the past because there are times in the winter where it's painful how dry you can get. And so that it is, it's such a lovely practice, right? Self-care practice too. It really is. um, It's very nourishing for yourself to do that. Yes. Yeah. In the desert, we visit Utah regularly and then we're like loading up all the oils because it's really pronounced there. I have a friend that lives in Salida now. She was in um, New Hampshire, but she said that um, people will say, you're not from here. Are you? And she's like, why? And they're like, you're not all wrinkly. (laughs) 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 So yeah, doing that daily up yanga will slow down the aging of the skin and just give you that sort of plump, well-nourished, well-lubricated look. So. Well, and thank you for sharing with that with us. And I love to, even how you share it, it shows kind of your level of expertise. And so if someone's listening and you've piqued their curiosity, 
um, and they want to know more, how does someone work with an Ayurvedic practitioner? So you, um, it's always great to find a neighborhood Ayurvedist. So look up in your local area first, if there is one. And then if not, you can work with somebody on Zoom. I've, I've been doing that exclusively since the start of the pandemic, mm-hmm. seeing all my clients on Zoom. But if you can see an Ayurvedist in person, it's really nice. They take your pulse, which is really looking at the, the qualities um, of your consciousness. It's a lot deeper than just like counting how many beats they hear. Very profound um, method of diagnosis and also treatment. So when they put your, their hands on your pulse, they're they are communicating that healing in the prana so that you can't do over zoom as well. Um, and just having that, that physical connection, establishing, establishing a connection, um, with someone who cares about you and, and will, you know, track you over a period of time and, and support you over a period of time. So you can do that and reach out for people, um, long distance, And just, yeah, don't delay. You got to get your own personal Ayurvedist. And you are offering, um, I mean, you offer lots of different training programs and, but you have this really interesting uh, program coming up in January. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yes. So this was again, born out of, um, I've been training. uh, I have this, the training programs so people can become actual professionals they get certifications to work with other people and sometimes like um in the curriculum that i teach um we're doing all of like the anatomy and physiology up front so it's like really theory dense and a lot of sanskrit terms and then toward the end of the year program we start talking about daily routines and one of the students one time was like i wish we had learned about this like at the very beginning, so we could have been doing this the whole way. So that is the goal of the Ayurveda for You program. So I'll meet with clients one-on-one and help them get on a program, and then um, we'll have regular classes, and you'll learn about just these very practical um, aspects of Ayurveda and just live them. It's a six-month program, six-month experiment. So. Um, trying out some of the recipes and, and daily routine aspects and, and addressing any problems that you have, like insomnia or menopausal, blah, which I hear about all the time. <laughs> um, and fertility for younger women. It does tend to be mostly women, but we have our occasional brave man that enters the community. Um, so a lot of just dealing with women's issues. So I think that's so perfect because anyone listening who, I mean, you dropped a lot of knowledge, but it's, there's so much to it that it's really helpful to have someone like you who's skilled, who can walk through the daily sadhana or the daily practice of it, like applying it. So I think that that's a really exciting offering coming up in January. When does it actually begin? Um, the, I think the first class is the first Tuesday in the new year. So yeah, it's, it's great to be in community too, because if you think about like the Ayurveda evolved in, in villages in India, 
And it was a way for everybody to care for everybody else. So um, it's great to have that, that sort of, it's now like an online village where, um, and it's fun. I, my students, we have a group me chat. So I get, it's like a forum where you can go every day and just get um, people's support and ideas. And it's really wonderful. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to experience Panchakarma with you a number of times. And um, it's the whole, my experience with Ayurveda is that it's subtle and profound. You know, these things that you talk about, like being out of balance, um, sometimes we really hit rock bottom and we really you know, we can't ignore it, but I think so many people are living out of balance that we tend to then think living out of balance is normal, Right. <laughs> sort of make all of these, um, allowances for, for sleep and lack of energy. And like you were saying, trying to, you know, sugar ourselves up or caffeinate ourselves or then drink alcohol to, you know, make ourselves help, like sleep. We tend to think in a, in a, society that is sick, we somehow think that that's normal. And so when you find balance and you remember health, um, it's like the most familiar, unfamiliar feeling. It is a sense of remembering. And so I think that's so amazing that that's what you bring to the world and what, you know, how you're translating Ayurveda in the West, really, for people who maybe didn't grow up that way. Right, right. Yeah, it's really revolutionary. Yeah. But it comes from ancient society. (laughs) And that it's possible, right? So that sometimes I think we, and and that's why I love this offering because, um, because on some hand it needs to be, we need to meet people where they're at, right? So like in the beginning, maybe a starting a morning routine and adding 10 minutes to your routine you know, when we're scrolling for however long on social media during the day, we think we don't have time, but like it is countercultural and revolutionary to add that dedicated time for yourself and your own self-care. It absolutely is, but it really doesn't have to be complicated. You can pick and choose the things that really you feel like you need. And, um, and it's much more manageable than, than you might think. My mom is like, if you did everything Ayurvedically, you would just be doing self-care all day. Uh, And that's not realistic for most of us. But you can pick and choose and put some anchors in your day that are going to be very nourishing and sustaining. Mm -hmm. What didn't I ask you about that you would love to talk about, my dear? Anything? I would like to close with another um, shloka and it, it does kind of have, it's, it's packed. So it's something we could talk about for a long time. Um, but uh, I'll just share this with you. And this is the definition of health. And it's just a few Sanskrit words that are just loaded with wisdom. So it's samadoshaha. Samagnishcha, Samataktu Malakriyaha, Prasanat Mindriya Manaha, Svasta Ityabhidiyate. So that um, translated is that um, 
um, I'll try and just give you the cliff notes on this, but having sama dosha means balanced bodily humors. So you're 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 balanced for you. Your vata, pitta, and kapha are in proportion to what's appropriate for you. Um, and we all know, you know, what that balance, the easiest way to see that balance is, are you digesting and metabolizing your food? Well, basically. So, um, and then that's the next one is Sama Agni. So we all have this digestive fire in our gut. That's the main digestive fire, but our whole endocrine system is your, are your Agni's. So every glandular, um, component of your body is um, Agni. So balanced Agni, so basically balanced hormones, another common thing that we're seeking as women. And then Sama Dhatus, the Dhatus are the bodily tissues. So um, our blood is healthy, our muscles are healthy, our bones are healthy, um, our reproductive uh, uh, capacity is it's healthy and vibrant. Malakriyaha, again, you're pooping every day. <laughs> As this, mala is waste and kriya, kriya is, it's working. <laughs> <laughs> it's working out for you. And then the next line is just brilliant. And this is something that's so missing. And, you know, like a, our modern concept of health is I don't have a disease, so I'm healthy. This really steps it up. This is um, there's harmony between your soul, the functioning of your senses, and your mind. So there's this, your senses, your soul, and your mind are all aligned with each other and cooperating with one another. And that is the definition of health. So that's kind of, that's the ideal that we're after. And um, and so if we just have that as, you know, in our, put that plant that inside of our hearts, then some really beautiful plants are going to start growing and coming out of that and blossoming into flowers and fruits. Well, and it really just highlights human potential and how I love what you said about, um, I mean, I'm an allopathically trained physician and most, if not all of my training was in a disease-based model. So you know, we're ready to pick up when things, when the wheels start to fall off. And um, so I love that that definition is so much more expansive and inclusive of health and spiritual health and mental health. And, and um, that, that exactly like you said, that the absence of disease is not where we want to be as a species. Yeah. So much more. Yeah. And we're all on the cusp of this, like your other guests that I've listened to, all of these people that are visionaries and healers, we we're here, we're, we're like ready to level up, right? We're ready to, to take all of this to the next level and just, have, you know, really embody the truth that we know that will just bring this thriving and abundance. Well, that is a beautiful place to Put a pin in it and press pause on our first conversation because I know that I'll have you back, my dear. Um, I want to say thank you for the work that you're doing in the world. And um, it's been really beautiful to watch you over the past, I don't know, 10, 15 years because you do have a glow about you. So I health, I do think, um, you know, how much I love light and 
but I think that there is a glow when you're really healthy, right? Whether it's your skin glowing, your eyes glowing. And I know Ayurveda teaches about that, but you have that glow. And so you're walking the walk. And that's why I think that your students and your clients are so lucky to have you. Um, And I know you have a big trip coming up. Yes, dive farther into all of this in India. Finally, I'm not in the rock bottom state, and I'm going to take care of myself. (laughs) That's going to be so exciting, and you're going to learn so much and come back and be able to share it with everyone um, after you nourish, after you fill yourself up, right? So that that there's an abundance and an excess, and that we can offer that to the world that we don't have to be, you know, dried up house plants. That's what I always say. <laughs> and trying, you know, pouring water through and just trying to trying to make the best of it for ourselves. So I'm really I'm so excited for you and all that you have coming. I'm excited for this program coming up in January because I really think that there are a lot of people who um could benefit from this daily practice. And I love how you described it that when you read about it, you cried because you remembered. And I think so many people, if they allow themselves to be exposed to this really ancient, profound wisdom will have the same experience. Absolutely. Yeah. And even the, like in the, um, the explanation in the classical text about where Ayurveda came from, it, it's in, in one of the explanations that this Lord Brahma remembered Ayurveda. So even God, <laughs> remembered Ayurveda it's eternal so yeah yeah, there aren't many things that we can count on like in this life like that so well thank you Patricia for introducing us to it and for um, just sharing your your joy and your wisdom with us today it was a pleasure thank you so much for having me and I just love your podcast I love you I am so grateful for you Thank you, friend. Love you too.